The Deviation Podcast. Welcome to the Deviation Podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm so excited to say that Ian Acker is here. Ian Acker is the founder and executive director of Fit to Recover, which is a nonprofit gym that supports people in recovery through exercise, community service, nutrition, and creative expression. They've won several awards, including the SCORE National Community Impact Award, People's Choice Award, and a City Weekly's Best Gym. So, um, yeah, thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. So, um, so let's start from the beginning. Where did, where did everything start? Where did everything start? Um, so again, <clears throat> thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank okay. you for uh, telling people's stories. I think people's stories give people hope. They allow um, other people to connect with um, feelings and emotions, and it makes people feel not as alone. So I think storytelling is a great thing. Um, it started for me. Um, it started for me in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm originally from Ohio. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I grew up there. I spent <clears throat> a majority of my life until um, I was about 18, 19, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, until about 22. <laughs> <laughs> um, started. It started. In, uh, in a town called Worthington um, with my family. I have two sisters um, and my mother and father. Um, wonderful support system. Um, family dynamics is, is a whole other thing that maybe we can get into a little bit later, but um, they've always wanted what's best for me. And sometimes I think them thinking what's best for me took a little bit of uh, my confidence away when I was younger um, because they would they would fix a lot of things and they would do a lot of things for me. So fast forward to my adult life, um, <clears throat> and this was not their fault. They were just trying to make their kid okay. Um, I don't know how to do some, some things, and then I beat myself up and I feel like I'm not good enough um, because I never, I never had to fail, I guess, uh, which is a really interesting... It's an interesting thing um, that ties into a lot of my self-worth and probably insecurities and fear and, and everything along those lines. Um, but yeah, I was young. I was an active kid. I was a biter. I was weird. I was... Uh, you were a biter? I was a biter. I bit people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I bit people. Um, I was really anxious. I was... Um, I had... I always needed to be next to my mom. Um... And uh, I was just a very hyper kid, very hyper kid. And uh, probably one of the biggest things and lessons that I ever learned was in sixth grade. I didn't learn like everybody else. Um, And, you know, a lot of my core beliefs and core values, I think, uh, landed me in um, a lot of my childhood. So in sixth grade, I got sent to special education um, because I couldn't pay attention I couldn't regurgitate information the way the teachers wanted me to 
to learn, and I was always getting in trouble. Um, <clears throat> so at an early age, at age you know ten or eleven, when you're trying to you know be part of, um, and you get sent to the resource room, um, and you don't know why it doesn't feel very good. No. Um, so. But what that experience taught me is that all people are the same and all people are equal. And it doesn't matter if you have Down syndrome, you have anxiety, you don't know how to learn a certain way. Um, we are all just trying to get through life. Um, so it really gave me a lot of compassion for people, but it also um, bruised my ego and made me not feel good enough. Um, <clears throat> so 10, 11, you know, I'm in therapy a lot. Um, just because you can't control me in a classroom and, and I'm, I'm doing things that are unorthodox and, and I'm boxing uh, Southpaw against, you know, life and it, 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 made me, it made me feel like there was something wrong with me that I needed to be fixed um, because at a young age, you know, going to therapy every week and, and not learning how everyone else does, I, I start to build this belief that there's something internally wrong with me. Um, I started to pull out my eyelashes, so I didn't have any eyelashes in, in high school, and that made me, again, I didn't know it at the time, but um, it just made me feel different, and and I kept going to, I kept going to to, to take my tests in different rooms and, and I'd have teachers help me and um, yeah it just it just made me feel not a part of um, so that was early childhood I got into soccer that's where I released all my energy um, I played soccer um, and I don't want this to be all beating myself up and victim and, and poor me poor me but um, I had a soccer coach. I had a bad experience with a soccer coach. All my other friends made the team, and I didn't. And it was a traveling team. Um, <clears throat> and again, core core belief: Ian, you're not good enough, right? Ian, you're not good enough. Ian, you're not good enough. Ian, you're not good enough. Um, later on, I I did make a different team that um, was better, so it was, it was it was okay. But yeah, so I had all these these. I don't know if you're insecure, but I just had different ways of viewing things, different ways of dealing with my emotions. Um, and, and I was always kind of pushed to the side, right? Mom and dad just trying to help. Both my sisters were straight-A students. They did really well. Um, they bring home A's. I bring home C's. And uh, Were they older than you? or No, younger. Younger, okay. So they're two years younger. Uh, Brianna Nora Tyne is my oldest sister. She's 31. And Tessa Caitlin Mahara Acker is 30. And they're both. They're some of the best people that I know, you know. Um, so so they they got it. Um, not to say they don't struggle, but they, they figured out school. They figured out um, careers, and, and they're both doing really well. And they're huge supports to me today. And so are my parents, uh, my dad. You know, has his PhD, and my mom just kind of um, she took care of the family, and she worked for nonprofits and helped the homeless. So I had a very good family, um, 
I just didn't see things the way other people did. And at 16, <clears throat> at 16, um, five of us are going, six of us are going to, to a rope swing in Ohio. And we would, we would, we would, uh, we would swim out and then we would go to the rope swing, swing and then swim back. And, uh, on this day, we all piled into the car and it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, a regular day. And, uh, my buddy, he drowned in front of us. Oh my God. So, yeah, he, he drowned and the things leading up to him drowning were like his parents saying, maybe he shouldn't go. Maybe he should. Um, he made his bed the night before. Um, just a lot of weird circumstances and it made me feel hopeless powerless um it was very traumatic like my my body um and that's why i'm a big advocate for trauma work today Uh, my body my body shifted something in me shifted and those insecurities and those fears um I think I shifted them into something's wrong with me. As before, it's just like, I'm gonna learn how I wanna learn, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and, and like, I'm fine like doing this, but, but something shifted. And, and, and then it became, Ian, you're not doing good enough, you're not, um, you're not a part of, and, and it just heightened all of that anxiety that was already there. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I still think about um, the gentleman, and he was, was a good guy and uh it just it it again taught me how to treat people right because I saw him the day before and then I didn't see him again right um so it's one of those things of like always treat people like it's the last time you're gonna see them um because because you never know you never know and so that that really weighed on me a lot um as a young as a young child uh well as a teen um as a teen and yeah being a teenager is is tough enough never mind going through something as traumatic as that right right and and I always felt like you know like <clears throat> that like I, I didn't give him the full attention that he should have gotten or and, and I like backtrack about that and I'm like well should I have been nicer to him and and all of these different emotions um that I, I couldn't make sense of right so there were there were days I didn't get out of bed. Um, I didn't get out of bed, and I I probably tried to cut my wrist. I don't know. Um, I don't think I was trying to kill myself. I was trying to feel a little bit different. And uh, and you know, in high school, people talk, and it just got. It was just really sad for his family, for him, for for the group of people that were involved, and we didn't know how to process it. Um, were you guys? Like, did people, when you said people talk, like, did they blame you guys for it? No, no, it's more that internal dialogue of, like, I understand. Um, maybe I could have done something different, or, um, but since it was out in the open, like, I felt like, like, it's being talked about, so I have to defend myself, or, like, um, but I moved past that, and, and like, I understand that it's not, it, it had nothing to do with us, and, but it was just, it was just such a, 
was a hard thing to deal with when I was younger. And trauma happens differently to different people. Um, so being bullied could be like something that is traumatic that rocks you to your core. Your cat dying could be traumatic and rock you to your core. I mean, people just deal with it differently, right? And I'm a hypersensitive person, and I, I feel a lot of emotion, and uh, it really it really affected a lot of my life. Um, but at the same time, it also gave me that compassion, that love, that um, how do we support, and, and that fuel to, to really want to make a difference, you know, and want to want to help people. Um, so that was 16. Um, 17, 16, yeah, 17, um, I started to, to really start drinking, like really enjoy drinking, um, for the first time. The, the reason I know I'm an alcoholic or, or a drug addict is because it fixes all of my problems. Um, it's the solution to my life. I no longer felt judged, I no longer felt not a part of, um, my anxiety lowered, I wasn't depressed, and I felt like I had arrived. Um, that everything is okay. That everything is going to be okay. It's that that safe feeling of warmth and and just love. Like when I drank, when I drank, I, and I, um, that is what I felt. And Did that happen the first time you drink? Drink? Um, probably not. Probably not. No, the first time I drank was in like. Eighth, sixth grade, and I mixed chocolate milk with pop-off vodka, and it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I got really sick. And uh, but then, but then, you know, something changed where it's like, wow, this can be used as medicine to to heal you, to make you feel better, to give you energy, to um, create conversations, to um be a part of I mean that's that's the one thing that I always wanted was to be a part of something I wanted to fit in um, you know and that's that goes back to those core beliefs and everything along those lines so <clears throat> 17 you know I, I really enjoyed you know smoking smoking weed and, and drinking and um, not caring not caring about what other people thought about um, what I thought of myself and, you know, we would drink on the weekends, and we'd smoke, and, um, and I, I noticed that I would, I would drink more than other people. Um, I would sometimes drink in the mornings, and, like, just to take away the hangover, and I would always be the last person up, um, drinking, and, and that's the first dose of, like, okay, like, why are you doing this? Like, what? How old were you when you noticed that? I knew I had a problem at 18. I knew I was drinking more at 16, 17. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, senior year of high school, I found out I could abuse my, my Adderall, which an Adderall high is, to this day, one of my favorite highs there is. Um, because it allows me to, I'm, I'm diagnosed ADHD and, and uh, so hyperactivity and, and uh, anxiety with some trauma or whatever, you know, these therapists say. So when you give me speed, I calm down and I can focus. And when I can focus, 
I feel like I'm being productive. When I feel like I'm being productive, I feel like I'm good enough. If I feel like I'm good enough, I feel like I fit in. If I feel like I fit in, then I'm okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I started abusing my Adderall. Really abusing my Adderall. That's when my rap career took off and, you know, <laughs> the whole uh, the whole shebang. But it, it, it allowed me to... It, when I first started using it, it allowed me to find peace. It really did. And I would, I would, I would literally, I would write. I would write for hours and hours and hours. I would stay in my parents' basement. I had this makeshift studio, kind of like you do right here. And I would just write music. And I wouldn't stop. And I would, I would just obsess. I would obsess about writing music. When you say abuse Adderall, will you, like, what does that mean? Uh, it means I was prescribed, like, 20 milligrams and I'd take 150, 200. Um, and then, of course, the alcohol brings you down because you get too up and you get really panicky and weird. Um, yeah. So I need something to balance, you know. Um, and I, just, I do a little bit of studying. I mean, World War II was exciting. I'm not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've definitely gotten a little bit of help with finals on. Yeah, dude. Okay. Shit bangs. It's, it's good stuff. Um, until it... It's all, drugs are not bad and alcohol is not bad if it's not your solution to every one of your problems, like it was for me. Um, because when I was on Adderall, like, I could focus, I could study, I could, I could show up to work, I could be good for two hours, but then the come down and everything that, that involves the drug, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, and then I, you know, I started eating pain pills and, um shit like that and smoking opium and all that other stuff how did it move to that to pain pills and opium and it was just kind of like why not you know Uh, but I never liked I never liked the pain pills I never liked the um, oxycontins I loved the speed and the the alcohol Um, so about 18, right? I, I'm abusing my Adderall. It's, it's, it's whatever. Um, and I'm drinking a lot. By this time, I've probably gotten arrested two or three times um, for, I don't know, it probably doesn't matter. Um, but for something, something stupid. Uh, I go to college on a soccer scholarship, so I, <clears throat> I play, uh, it's a Division three school. It's like a Westminster of Utah. And it's a liberal arts college. It's a really good college. Um, and when I say a ride, they gave me like 15K and the school costs 40. So I don't know how much of a ride that is. It's, it's their way of saying, we can't give you money to play soccer, but we'll give you money for your GPA, which was a 2.8. And uh, hope you come to our school. Well, the fact that you were playing college soccer in and of itself is impressive. And then the fact that you were playing college soccer with everything else that was going on just I mean that's yeah. well it's the one thing it's the one thing that uh, connected me to people right and I, I I had to I had to feel some type of connection um, and when I would play um, I wouldn't think about all the other stuff as much um, so soccer was yeah it was it was a, it was a great sport I've always been I love basketball um, and and I can I can play I'm athletic, so um, 
that's where I fit in, right? That's where I fit in. So college comes around, and college is actually college was a really shitty experience. Um, I started I started really drinking. That's when I really started drinking. Um, I met a girl. She fucked my she fucked my life up. Really bad. I, and I was never that dude. I was that dude, and I was the dude that like. I didn't care, so it made it easier. I wouldn't get attached. So I would just, I would date somebody and be like, okay, it's not working out, cool. Like, you're still my friend, like, dope. But <clears throat> when I got to college, I'm at home, girl, and this was like my sophomore year. And uh, <clears throat> and I'm at home, girl, and uh, it was the same story. It was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna hang out with this chick, and then. I'm going to lose interest and I'll move on. Um, so I hung out with Chick. Thought I lost interest. Didn't lose interest, but it was too late. She'd already moved on. Yeah, it was brutal. Oh, it was so brutal. And then I was the dude that was... I was chasing her around, dude. I was that. I was, like, in the movies. Like, I was crying on her doorstep. I was, like, asking her to hang out. I was, like, pleading with her just to spend time with me. I was, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, and then you know I like better. I, I was that person at one point too so yeah. I it's not a good you, place no and then you just look at yourself and it's like what, like what are you doing come on like don't don't be that person but that's the same it's the same feeling when you're in the middle of that that's the same feeling of drug abuse and, and addiction I think maybe I mean that to someone who is normal uh, or not an addict like it's that obsession it's that obsession. And then when you're with that person, you feel, okay, I'm okay. No, I understand that. Right? And then you leave and you're, you, you get all freaking weird. and um, So it's it's just that mental obsession. And, and what it did with me was drugs and alcohol. I needed, 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 needed until, um, until I got my fix. Right? So so homegirl, and, and bless her heart, dude. She's not a bad woman. Um, I just wasn't. I was in no place to fucking be in a relationship. Uh, I was drinking every day. I was I was fighting with people. I was I was I was a shithead. Um, so I chased her for like two years. I couldn't I couldn't stop. Um, and I didn't get like super weird, but I just it'd be one of those things like, can we hang out? And she said yes. And then I'd think about it all day until we hung out. And then she would like call and say my stomach hurts. Right? And I'm like, dude, don't do that. Like, don't, don't do that to me. And I'm like, if my stomach hurt, I'd still hang out with you. You know, like, <laughs> that's how invested I am. Um, so, I mean, to make a long story short, like, it never happened to me again. And, like, I don't know, relationships have never been something that I've really struggled with. Um, I don't put a lot of, I don't think I put a lot of uh, negative energy into them. Like, if they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. And that's as simple as I keep it. Um, so, like, right now, I'm in a great relationship, right? And I'm not catastrophizing or, like, thinking she's going to leave or I'm going to leave. Like, I just keep it super simple. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm in college. Um, Big question. Yeah. How did you get over her? Because that's... I mean, like, that's a I big did, thing to let go of. I had to move, dude. I, like, it was after college. And, like, I was still, like, 
Like this one was, it was, it was brutal. It was time consuming. Um, and she was, she was really good looking. Yeah, that always screws things up. Um, and like today I would love to talk to her and just tell her like, she taught me a lot, you know, I'm not mad at her anymore. Um, but it was just, it, it was, it was just one of those things that it was just really difficult and, and I had to like delete everything and I had to make a decision that I was going to stop talking to her. Yeah. <clears throat> right. It, it's easier said. Just like somebody who's doing drugs, like you have to make a decision and then stop doing drugs and then do all the things that, you know, 12 step meetings or whatever, whatever your recovery looks like. Um, but you have to get to a point where you, uh, move past that relationship. So I moved past that relationship with flying colors and I just crushed it for the rest of my life and now I'm good. Um, and in this time, so like 18, I probably, I probably been in jail now four times. Um, a big one happened when I was in college. Um, I got arrested for public intox and uh, this was right after I got in a DUI and I was just, I was tired of the police. I was pointing fingers at everyone else and uh, they took me back to the holding cell and I, I ran away with handcuffs on and I got away and um, they found me the next morning and uh, they hit me with uh, public talks. I gave him a fake ID, so falsification, and then escape and theft, the handcuffs. So, felony four, um, and at this point, <clears throat> my life is, is shit. Like, I'm somehow holding on to college with the, by my teeth. Um, I hate everyone because of homegirl, like, and, and like I'm not present in class and I smell like alcohol when I go to school and um, people are just starting to, to worry about me right and uh, so you know I get I get because my parents they, they fi- they're fixers right so I get the lawyer fees taking care of my, my court cases um, not dropped but I move past them right um, and I say, okay, Ohio, you've been great, but maybe if I change my scenery, then I'll get better, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's not me, it's these people, um, which is a misconception a lot of the time. Um, what so, did your parents say about that? Um, shit, I don't know. At this point, I was, I was gone. I was going to do whatever I wanted. Um, so I moved to Hawaii. I moved to Maui. Yeah, the ocean and like all everything would be great. You know, to be fair, if you were looking for a change of scenery, I feel like that was a great change way to of go. Scenery. Yeah. Um. I that's when I just I hit my lowest. I hit my lowest point. I was drinking every morning, every day. My my routine was uh, I painted houses, and I hate to paint. I hate to paint unless you give me enough speed. To, to, to paint and then and then cool um so I wake up every morning we get 240s on the on the car ride there at like 730 in the morning um we'd we'd take the speed um we'd get a a, a six pack for lunch um 
and then when we got home, we we get another twelve pack, and that's literally how I live. Um, <clears throat> and I was miserable. I wanted I wanted to die every single day, but I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. Could you see the cycle at that point, or not yet? Yeah, this was when I was like 20, 20, or no, 20, this was 24, 25. Um, absolutely. I mean, I knew, I knew I had a problem. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop drinking and I couldn't stop eating pills. Um, so I called my mom. I said, Mom, I need help. I need help. Um, what happened right before that phone call? Like, what was. Because you'd been living this way for a while, so there was there something that happened that was like the like the extra low moment that had you be like, I have to like I need to make this phone call. I, need I to probably change. ran out of Xanax. Um, I know what got me to rehab. I don't know what got me to call my mom. Okay. Um, no, continue though. I know. Yeah, no, 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 I know. It's just I I remember. I remember waking up, it was probably one of the day, and, and I had to pour myself a drink of hard liquor at, at like 8 a.m., and then I'd go into my studio and I'd rap, and like, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I doing? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I can live like this one more fucking day. One more day. So I call my mom, she takes me, uh, she flies me to Arizona, and, uh, I was like, I, could, I gotta leave Hawaii. I'm done. And she's like, okay, um, can you help me with your grandma, who I love very much, um, one of the best women in the world. They taught me how to treat people and, and everything in between that and just her positive attitude and someone I loved and looked up to. And I couldn't even take care of her without going to get alcohol um, and do drugs. At this point, I was, I was, I was freaking cigarettes and rolling splits just because I wanted to change the way I felt um and and I was like okay like I can't even stay present with my grandma and she's sick and she's like 75 and like I love her so I said mom I need help I need help um and at this point we didn't know a lot about addiction um and so so she google searched you know and Sir Lodge has a, a large budget and uh, they showed up first on the Google search which is a treatment center here in Utah um, my parents went to school here so they had some correlation to uh, this state but we didn't know anybody out here and uh, the next thing I know I was on a plane to, to Utah and I got picked up I, got, I met some woman in a coffee shop and I got picked up in a Hummer and taken down to uh, treatment center. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's hella weird, and, like, I got, like, all stoked on recovery for, like, a day, and then, like, I was like, but this life is too hard. I'm still anxious. I'm still obsessive-compulsive. I'm still, um, I'm fucking miserable. Like, I can't sit still for more than 10 minutes. So, I got out of treatment. I spent 81 days there. <clears throat> um, and... took me a week and I was just drinking again I was drinking and um, 
drinking and I don't know what else I was doing. What happened? Do you remember the day you got out? The 80, 81st day? Yeah. Were I, you like... I had no purpose. I just, I, I got lit out and I was like, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do? And this, I mean, this is, this is partly where Fit to Recover came in, right? I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I don't believe in myself. I can't hold a job. Like, I don't have, I don't feel like I have any skills. Um, what am I, what do I do? So it was like your body was clean from all the drugs and alcohol, but your mind was still in the place that it was at with the reason you started drinking in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, and partly, I mean, I learned this when I go to jail for the last time, but um, part of it was me not taking responsibility for my fucking life and, and wanting to blame everyone else. Mom, I have really bad anxiety. It's your fault. Dad, it's your fault. I'm depressed. Um, Brennan and Tess, why are you so good at everything? It's like, well, maybe Brennan and Tess put in work and studied when you fucking fucked off, right? Um, so, so I get out. I get. I, I'm drinking within a week or two. Um, so I call my mom. I say I need help. Same story. Go back to treatment. Um, same story. Get out. Go get loaded. Um, call my mom. Say I need help. Go back to treatment. Um, get out. Get loaded. It's just the same shit, right? Same shit. Um, <clears throat> it happened four times, right? I think like six. Shit, okay. Six. Bad idea, Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm out this time, and I'm like, yo, mom, I found, I found something that helps my anxiety. <clears throat> She's like, what is it, Ian? And I'm like, Kratom. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. So it's a synthetic opiate that you can buy at smoke shops that they they don't classify it as what it is so they can sell it um, under something else. It's really sketchy shit. And then I got into bath salts. Do you know what those are? Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So same idea. It's like this goes in your bath, but you can also put it up your nose and get fucking crazy. So pair those two together. I'm, I'm using the same formula of being relaxed and then getting really high and then going back down and getting really high and going back down and, and then drinking. Um, I ended up in jail for the last time um, and I'm in the drunk tank and I'm so used to it by now that I dress the part. I mean, they keep the jail cold so I'm wearing my sweat, sweatpants and sweatshirt. You know, I, I asked, before you take me in, can I at least get warm, right? Um, and there's this gentleman that I'm... I'm I'm hunched over and I'm uh, handcuffed to the bench and there's this gentleman in this really nice suit um, his like Prada shoes and you know nice sunglasses and he's bitching about something and I'm like dude what are you why are you freaking out and he's like the cops gave me uh, they gave me a DUI and I said well what did you blow and he said like .24 or .23 .21 and I was like, of course you got a DUI, right? And, and something in my, my mind clicked is like, I've been blaming everyone else for all of my shit. And it's time for me to take responsibility of my life. 
So I can either, I can either, either overdose, kill someone while I'm driving, put a gun in my mouth, or choose to live in recovery. Right? Um, and take responsibility for my life. And, and not have, every time something goes wrong, be like, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Um, I can't take this test, it's your fault. I'm not smart enough, it's your fault. It's like, I'm going to step into my own shit, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to do my best, and then not be hard on myself in between. Um, so I leave, I leave jail, um, go back to my last treatment center. Um, and this kind of goes back to like every time I left treatment I didn't know where to go and um, in this treatment center I learned about a place called Phoenix Multisport which is um, sober activities for um, people in recovery and I made the call and I got really uncomfortable and I said I want to be part of what you're doing Um, can I intern for you and my parents probably pulled some strings because, you know, bless their hearts. They just want me to be okay, right? Um, so I, I go to I go to Phoenix, which is in Colorado. It's it's now a nationwide program, and Scott Strode is uh, a mentor of mine, and he's done a fantastic job with with what they do there. And um, I learned what they did there. I brought the whole like SWOT analysis, like business, like here's the median income and here's the money that we're going to put up and like, can we franchise one of these to Utah? And, you know, bless his heart. Like he probably heard that a million times. Cause I've, I've heard that before people are like, can I start an FTR? And I'm like, sure. Like, um, it just costs a lot of money, but I was willing to put that. My parents and me were willing to put that money up and, uh, it didn't work out. Right. So it didn't work out, and, and there goes my core belief. No one believes me. I'm not good enough. You know, that same story. <clears throat> and I say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking do this, and I'm going to build my own. And uh, I have all these chips on my shoulders from my teachers, from my therapists, from people, from um, professionals. I, you know, at this point, I've been fired from every job I've ever had. So, I had I had this feeling as I'm gonna prove these people wrong. Like that was in the beginning. That was my main motivation: is watch me prove you wrong. Um, and it, it it lit a fire under my ass. I just said, like I know, I know there's greatness in in me in some way because of a lot of this pain and and a lot of this suffering. I know that I have something to offer I just needed to stay consistent and, and offer it on a, on a platform so I get home I make the, the scariest decision of my life um, at this point I've been sober for like 9 months 10 months and uh, I put a Facebook post out I spend $500 on a boombox which at that point um, was terrifying what was like going through your mind when you purchased that? Like, were you excited? Were you? I was excited. You I was excited. Dude. I was like, I'm gonna do this, and and I'm I'm ready, and uh, and no one's gonna stop me because I have nothing to lose. I don't have a job. Um, I don't feel like I can work for anyone else, and 
just going to put everything I have into this every single day. What made you want to go that direction? Like, what was it about Phoenix that you were just like, this is, this is it. Like, this is something that's making a difference. Well, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think, and I can't tell if this is like ego or like a chip on my shoulder. I don't know if that was it. I think that they do a wonderful job. Um, I just felt like connection had to be the biggest part of, of what I did. Um, because for so long I disconnected from so many people. Um, and I didn't think, I didn't think CrossFit was the answer and they did CrossFit and I don't think there's anything wrong with CrossFit. I just think that it's too fast, uh, for people in recovery, early in recovery. And when you go against the clock, um, that negative self-talk, if you don't do it in a certain amount of time or your last, um, it gives you that feeling of not being good enough. So I started with all body weight exercises. Um, and, and like Phoenix taught me so much, like I'm the, they're the reason I'm here. Um, their vision. And, uh, I just thought that I could do, I could change it a little bit. And I just needed to be in charge of like the culture and, and building that. And, uh, so that's what I did. I bought a boombox at $500 and I paid myself 12 to $15. I don't know. I wrote it on a sheet of paper and I would, I would pay myself, um, hourly, um, for, I mean, who knows? Like I, I didn't even know what I was paying myself for showing up. And it was just this, it was this really elementary way of like trying to figure out how to run a business. Right. Um, so like if I were you in the beginning, um, I would say I did a podcast with Ian at fifteen dollars an hour, and I spent three hours, and I'm gonna pay myself forty five bucks for it. Um, and yeah, it was it was cute, and it was like, you know, like credits house. and debits, and it, it was like my parents like trying to like believe in me because they always have believed in me. Um, it's just society sometimes pushed against. Um, so I, I purchased the the boombox and. And I put a Facebook post out, and I said, meet me at Sugar House Park. Um, and that was very vulnerable, and that was very scary. Uh, and the one thing that I, I noticed about exercise was when you got done exercising, it broke down walls, and it allowed people to connect on a deeper level. Um, so I said, I said, cool, let's see what happens. Um, and at this point, I, I literally had nothing to lose. I didn't, I didn't really care. Um, and two people showed up, and I was like, cool. Like, at least I got to work out, right? Um, so two people showed up, and then six people showed up, and then three people showed up, and then 40 people showed up, and then seven people showed up, and then 70 people showed up, and then 40, pe- 40 people showed up, and then... 30 people showed up and then 30 people showed up and then 50 people showed up and uh, I would play hip hop and I would just vibe with people I would create energy and I would I would build culture through safety uh, making people feel comfortable um, and this goes back to like my childhood of like being pushed to the side and not being listened to and, and I wanted to create a culture where everyone was listened to and the person that felt the, the most uncomfortable um, felt the most comfortable. So, sixth grade, special ed, like making that person feel comfortable, right? 
um, and and that set culture. And once you set culture, that I think that's the hardest thing to do. Um, the doors the doors bust open, and and people, <clears throat> I think people saw it as uh, as a safe place. And when somebody says that's a safe place, um, that allows for connection. And when you can connect, you don't feel alone. When you don't feel alone, you feel a part of. When you feel a part of, you feel grateful. When you feel grateful, you don't want to die. So it's uh, it's a chain of events that I think all breeds from making people feel comfortable. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to the park, and I'm fucking weird, and, like, it's, like, snowing, and I'm still there, and, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um... But I know that I can see people's eyes light up and I can see people get something out of it. And I can see people high-five each other and I can see people smile. And I can see people not think about drugs for an hour. And I was like, that's it. Um, There needs to be something bigger than just this in the park. So... I'm like, okay, we, we've done this. I've proved myself. I go back to my parents. I'm like, yo, um, we can do this. And my parents being supportive, um, like they always were, or said, we'll give you a donation. So how many how many classes or boot camps in the park had you done at this point? It was probably, it was probably a year. Do you remember, before you move into this next piece, do you remember the first time somebody said that those boot camps in the park were making a difference? Do you remember the first time somebody said that to you? I saw it. I, I saw it um, more than um, it got verbalized. But Can I, you I, tell I, me about that? Well, I just saw people, I saw people not inside of their head. I live so much in my head that I know when someone's not in their head. Um... And I saw people that were smiling and, and were not thinking about, um, they weren't in fear. They weren't in fear. And they felt safe and they felt comfortable. And they felt connected. Um, it was just in their eyes, you know. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I said, that's it. We can do this. And, and we can do this. Not me. Um, it's we. It's we. And, and that's why we're like, let's do a nonprofit because it's, it's not one person. It's all of us. Um, and that was a whole... You know, my parents gave me a, a, a big donation. Um, I think it was $60,000 that I still haven't touched, which is cool. It's still in the bank. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That that's something that's neat. Um, How have you been able to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Doing the next right thing. I don't. I don't think... I think we like to freak out about business and, and we like to like think that we need all these different things and these classes and and I think there's a place for policies and procedures and and, and accounts payable and accounts receivable and uh, fundraising and, and you know orders of operation and job descriptions and all that stuff but if you lead with your heart and you operate ethically and your product's good you're good and you just don't spend more money than you make or don't yeah don't spend more money than you make yeah. and I'm 
for some reason I'm really good with money I don't know why I don't that's one skill that I think I've developed because I maybe I pinch pennies but I was always really uh, concerned with how much money we were spending that's um, good yeah yeah and again like these are just things that like I don't know why I, I learned them but um, you know my, my, I think my dad was he was conservative and he always taught me about investing and kind of went over my head but I did gather don't spend money on stupid shit (laughs) (laughs) Um, don't spend money on stupid shit and don't spend money you don't have right right don't spend money you don't and a lot of people don't understand that last one which is crazy to me Um, that is a crazy thing unless I'm on drugs I don't spend money that I don't have that's always made sense to me Um, but I don't fault you if you do because it's probably deeper than that yeah, everybody, everybody has their things they struggle with. Somebody may have a problem with that, but they have no problem not eating all of the sugar in their cabinet, whereas I'm the opposite, so, you know. Right. So, yeah, we get this money, and we couldn't get a building because no one would rent for an alcoholic. Um, it was a liability. So, um, and rewind a little bit, Usara, who is an uh, advocate of ours, too. We would, we would hold run groups as well. So I'd do the park, and then we'd process... Um, on a Monday and then we'd run around State Street like maniacs so it was just this weird like thing and uh, so I do weird is the word I'd use but yeah Yeah. that's awesome yeah Um, so we would do that twice a week and we're like well maybe we should get a building and then yeah I got the donation and and then we finally uh, we finally found a space um bless their hearts we appreciate them still to this day um we had read a personal guarantee um and we got a space in 2014 or 15 14 15 would you talk a little bit about your philosophy on trust because i read something some like i think it was an interview had done where you talk about how you view trust and how you trust people i trust everybody I do. I, my door is wide open. Um, I don't lock my... my I, I, I inherently think people are all good for some reason. Um, I, I don't operate with a lot of people that... Um, that I, I don't operate with people that want something from me. So I don't, I don't feel like there's any reason for them not to be honest with me. Um, there's no agenda, right? Um, and sure, you see it, but I don't know. I mean, I was always told to tell the truth. There's less to remember. Um, and, and I've kind of stuck with, with that a lot of my life, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've never, that's another thing that I, I try not to do. And I never have really fallen into is lying unless I was using it. Just because I, I don't, I don't see the the benefits in it probably, and maybe if I did, um, I would probably do it more. But I'm a big believer in karma as well. So like, if I'm telling all these people all these lies, um, eventually it'll come back to me in one way or another. That's why I never cheat on a girlfriend, um, because I believe even if I don't get caught, like in my next relationship I'll get cheated on. I, I don't know, I just believe that, like, 
the way you act is the is is what comes to you. Um, treat others the way you want to be treated. Absolutely, and that's the motto of the gym: is just treat others how you want to be treated. And and honestly, I haven't been I haven't been lied to a lot in my life. I haven't been burned, um, so I have no real I have no real story around um, being lied to. Good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just, I, again, it's one of those things that I keep simple. Um, I don't think too much about it. And, like, I trust you until you lie to me. And if you lie to me, then I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's very fair. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so we get the building and, like, we write a, a, a personal guarantee. And, and, you know, honestly, I couldn't have done it without my parents. Like, they were somebody, somebody that knew a little bit more than me um, in the beginning. I started board. I didn't know what a board was. I asked four of my friends to sit on this board. We'd sit upstairs in this office with uh, furniture from the DI and like a, a bean bag that was uh, was pretty dirty. And we would talk about the weather and like we didn't. I didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to run a nonprofit. Right? Didn't know what that meant. Didn't know what a budget was. Didn't know what. And I didn't know any job responsibilities. I didn't know how to run payroll. I didn't know um, what a board was even supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we, we, we did the best that we could with what we had. Um, and we led with our heart. And we slowly started to accumulate um, noise in the community. And people started to believe in what we were doing. And... And we showed up consistently the same way, and we didn't ask for things, and um, we didn't want anything from anyone. We just wanted them to show up and do their best. Um, and uh, we got some donations. We got some people that believed in us. Um, we got individuals that believed in us. Um, we've grown our budget in four years from sixty thousand dollars to four hundred eighty. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and that, that goes back to your thing of success, right? Like, what what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you how do you view success? What what um, do you have to like? Is there a number? Is it the way you treat people? Is it how you feel about yourself? Um, and I think it's probably a combination of all those things. But yeah, so now you know we work with thirteen treatment centers. Um, they bring their clients to us. We see over 450 people a week. Um, we run 30 fitness classes. We uh, we break the, the community into four different parts. Um, one is community service, so it's giving back to, to um, our community, which is super important. Service was a big thing in recovery. Um, we do nutrition, so it's having a relationship with food, not don't eat sugar. Don't eat, drink Red Bulls. It's like, if you drink six Red Bulls, maybe drink one and drink more water and eat some, like, quinoa or, you know, and mm-hmm. pray to your food and, and, like, have a relationship with your food, kind of. Um, not, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't do that. Because um, that doesn't work. Right. There's no longevity in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do community meal prep, which is part of nutrition. So it's getting people to connect um, while cooking together. You should come to that. That would be awesome, actually. You should. It's it's twenty dollars and it's five meals, so it's a it's a really good deal. Okay. Um, 
You heard it here first. She will be at community <laughs> meal prep. Um, and then we have creative arts. I mean, hip hop is, it's just something that I just love. I love storytelling. I love, I love what music does to my body, my ears, the way I hear things, um, and the way it sounds. Um, so we do, we're starting our uh, creative writing class next week. So that's, you come in together, and again, it's about connection. Um, you come in, you you write together, and then you record a song together. So it's an eight week program. That's cool. It's neat, and uh, and then we have uh, the fitness part, which is barbells, kettlebells. Um, we have people smarter than me teaching that stuff. Um, I'll teach two or three classes a week, um, but that is more. Uh, it's all about connection. Like everything that we do is is about connection um, and it's amazing the organic connection that comes when uh, you're deadlifting and then you can say hey that was that was awesome do a good job and it's like well where are you going after this maybe we'll go get some meat I mean it just organically happens when somebody has something to do because if me and you were just sitting here and we don't know each other like how long would a conversation really last hi how are you where are you from nice to meet you mm-hmm. right so give me something to do like cook a meal with you and, and see where that organic relationship happens. Um, we're so disconnected. I mean, just even recently, like with our phones and... Oh, it's terrible. It's crazy. But I fall victim to it all the time. So so we disconnect. We disconnect. And that's what I was doing with drugs and alcohol is I was disconnecting from people so I didn't have to either deal with the hard stuff or really have a relationship with somebody, um, men or women. You know, it's... it's it's a way to just not feel. Um, so it's, yeah, it's built on those four pillars, and it's uh, it's crazy. We're, we're in jail now, so we teach we teach the CATS program. So we go in three times a week to Salt Lake uh, Oxbow, and, and we get to give back to, to people that are in a program. Um, and we get to do body weight exercises and, and, and work out in jail. So it's just dope shit. What's that like? It's humbling, man. It's it, but I, those people, don't scare me. Like those are my people. Like, they make me feel safe. Like I love. That's one of my favorite classes to teach, because there's no ego, um, and if there is, it's just because they're scared, it, and it's all the same shit. People are the same exact. If, if we don't feel good enough, if we're insecure, um, or if we have a big ego, it's just because we don't want to connect and we, and we don't feel a part of it. And the tough guy in the corner with the tattoo on his face um, wants to prove himself to everyone else, but why, right? Because you're scared. So how, like, how would you connect with the tough guy in the corner with the tattoo on I'd his face? I'd give him a hug, yeah. Like? For real. And just be like, dude, I'm not, I'm not here to flex on you. I have no agenda. I just want to get you a little bit better. And so then, what does he say? He'll kind of, he'll kind of brush up on me a little bit and kind of be weird. And then I'll play good hip hop music and jump around like a maniac <laughs> and be authentic, right? And be myself. And then he's like, oh shit, I fuck with this kid. And it's like, I fuck with you too. I fucked with you from the beginning. You just didn't give me a chance. And then, and then, yeah, and then there's. And then he hears the story, and it's like, dude, we're in here. I've been where you're at. Um, 
all we want is we're not asking for anything. We're literally coming in here so when you go back to yourself, you'll feel a little bit let you'll feel more calm and you'll be able to chill. And then we're gonna scholarship you into fit to recover when you get out so you have a safe place of people that are doing things in the community. That's so, cool. Yeah, so I mean they're they're the and, and and honestly, they're the people that get pushed to the side too, right? And that's again, back when I was younger, that's how I felt. So it's like I want to believe in them like somebody believed in me. Yeah. Right? So it all comes full circle. Um, that's just a great way to look at it. But And that's why I want the person that's the, the most uncomfortable to feel the most comfortable. Because I know how that feels. And it's terrifying and it's scary and it's disconnected and it's hopeless and it's it's all those things. And if if I can, if I can get somebody to feel a little bit of hope, um, that takes me out of myself for a second, and then I can be like, I don't even give a shit if I'm getting paid now, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then you get a fifty thousand dollar check from somebody because they believe in what you're doing, and then it's like, holy shit, I'm running a business, right? And it's like I didn't even mean to fucking start a business. <laughs> so, so there's no like, there's no like schooling that's gonna be like, yo. Make sure you get all your, your, your credits and debits and make sure you, you, you know, do all these fucking stupid things. It's like, yes, you have to do those, especially when your organization gets as big as we are now. Um, but it starts with, I'm going to go here because I know you need help. And I know what it feels like to need help. And somebody gave me help. So let me deliver that full circle. God, I love that. Does that make sense? Oh, no, completely. Do you remember remember the first time you got a big check? Like, after that check from your parents? Yeah, I do. What was that like? I think I started crying. I think I started crying. Um, Because it it told me two things. It told me... um, I remember. I, I remember where I got it. It was from a treatment center, and, uh, you know, the office was, like, not put together, and, like, we were, you know, it was, there was no desks, and, like, the window was kind of, like, and he handed me a check for $15,000, and I was, like, thank you for believing me. Like, thank you for giving me a chance. Um, I will not disappoint you, because you just gave me a chance, and I don't know um, what it feels like to, like, I know what it feels like to not be taking a chance on, but you gave me an opportunity. Um, and that's where I'm going to put my energy because you believed in me and that's all I've ever wanted is someone to believe me. And now you've developed an entire community of people believing in you and you believing in them. It's just a, right. And that's culture. Yeah. That's culture. And it's not people believing in me. It's people believing in safety and connection um and it, it's just a vision you know of of again making that person feel comfortable and then and then you know like the ceo of, of zion's bank like i go in there and i tell him my story and he's such a great man um he writes me a check for 50k and i'm like dude who are you wow. where did you come from and, and granted, this was 
first year was 15, then it was 20, then it was, or 25, then it was 50. Um, but like he believed in me and that it's not the dollar amount. It's the fact that you're like this, this week has been, I've, I've been feeling super insecure. Um, we're having our five year anniversary party and, uh, <laughs> and I've been asking all these people, I've been, I've been asking these people for, uh, contributions, right? And, and everyone's like, dude, I believe you're, you're doing such great work. Like, thank you. And, and I'm like, cool. Like, thank you. And like, I want to keep doing it. So like, don't just tell me, like show me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately this weird line gets drawn where showing me is five grand. Right. Um, not because it's going into my pocket, but because it's going to the community mm-hmm. and that's what a sponsorship costs. So like I've had all these people say great things, but I'm like, yeah, it costs money to have lights on, doors open. Show, show me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and I've never been I've never been one to like go after sales and like um, because it's a very scary thing for me to do because then it, it plays into um, Ian, you're not good enough, right? And and it doesn't matter everything that I've I've done in these four or five years. If someone tells me that today, that's what my brain attaches to, not everything else, right? Um, so there's a ton of vulnerable spots in my day, especially when, um, you know, I'm, I'm now transitioning my job more into development and like, um, going around and, and, and being vulnerable and the community has been so supportive and they've been great. Um, it's just my own shit, you know? Um, and I think sometimes I find peace and like even if everything blows up, like, at least I tried and at least I help people. Oh, yeah. And the skills that I've developed, maybe I could use them for something else. You know? 100%. So. But, I mean, there are days, there, there, are, there are a lot of days where I'm just like, man, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, and, like, I don't want to do this anymore. How do you, like, how do you go through those days? How, how do you keep going? I mean, it, it can't be easy to stay sober for all of these years. I mean, that's... All really... in a row, dude. Yeah, exactly. So I checked into a treatment center when I was uh, four years sober. I wanted to put a gun in my mouth. But you didn't, like, you didn't put a gun in your mouth and you didn't use. You checked yourself. I checked in, yeah. Wow. Well, because because... It's like the law of diminishing returns. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that is? It's like if you eat three hamburgers, mm-hmm. um, it won't it won't taste as good as one or it's some shit like that. Like one hamburger is just as good as three. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more and more I did drugs, like the less and less relief that I felt. Okay, I understand. So I got I got to a point where it didn't matter how much I drank, didn't matter how much I used, didn't matter what drugs I was doing. I still wanted to die. And I so vividly remember that. Um, that if I drink, if I go, if I leave here and I go drink, I'd get about seven to ten minutes of relief. Right? I'd feel good for about seven to ten minutes. And then I would, I would be so shameful. I'd feel so guilty. I'd give up everything um, at FTR. I'd have to walk away from all that. Um, because I couldn't be authentic saying, 
don't do drugs, but I just got drunk, right? Um, and and then what would I do? Go back home and just sit and like think about it, and and then my brain would just keep going and going, and then I'd have to drink again, and then it wouldn't make me feel any better, and then I'd really want to die. I really want to kill myself. Um, and I think suicide is a is an important thing to talk about because. Um, it's a real fucking thing. And and I think people struggle with it. And, and I think people... I was at my therapy. Um, my therapist... I go to therapy, like, t- still... I don't know why, but I still go to therapy. Therapy is really underrated. It's fantastic. You like it? Yeah, I mean, I've been... I've been in and out of therapy since I was little. Because my... You know, my parents got divorced when I was young. And I went through a... a life's had its up and downs. Sure. And, yeah, it's... I'm not in it now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely been incredibly helpful throughout my life. So I go to my therapist, right? And I'm like, yo, I want to die. Um, I want to die. Because I feel like I want to die, like, sometimes. Like, probably, like, I don't know, once a week, twice a week. Um... And she's like, do I have to call a hotline? And I'm like, this is exactly why no one talks about suicide. Because, again, it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. Um, It makes me feel like you're going to lock me up. And it makes me feel like you're worried about me. And it's like, no, maybe this is just how I feel. This is how I feel. It doesn't mean I'm going to the store to get a gun, to, to find the gun, to hide it in the garage, to, you know, plan out my death, right? It's just, this is how I fucking feel. And I think it's okay to feel like that. And I think if people actually talk about how they felt a little bit more, it would make people feel not as alone. Um, Because there are days where I'm like, dude, I got to do this day all over again. I got to wake up. I got to drink my coffee. I got to go on a fucking run. I hate to run. It's the only thing that helps sometimes. And then I got to deal with persons, people, personalities. and, And some days I'm just like... I'm so tired, but then what do I do? Go home and sit and think about it? Like, that's just exhausting. And then you get to a place in your head where you're like, I just don't even want to fucking do it anymore. Um, but that's okay. And I think that that has to be okay. Um, because then people will start talking about it more. And then when I hear somebody else talking about it that I look up to, it's like, holy shit, maybe I'm not alone. Oh, yeah. Because I get this feeling of like, I'm the craziest, I'm the most anxious, I'm the most depressed, and then I feel unique, and then I feel different, and that's when I get into trouble, right? Because we're all the same fucking people. We are. I mean, that's a big reason why I started this podcast. It's like, I remember being in kindergarten singing this song that is very relevant to this day. We're all different but the same. I mean, we've all got blood flowing through our our veins. Right, right. So, and and then talking about it helps normalize it, and it it helps... um, it just, it helps to talk about it. So I feel better, and, you know, then I go on my shit, and then I get fucking sad again. But I don't get, like, to a place where I'm like, um, I want to not wake up tomorrow. It's just like, I just don't want to fucking deal with tomorrow. Um, so I went to Brighton. I went to a treatment center instead of drinking. Um, because that's when, that's when I know, like, maybe I could do something if I start just getting fucking reckless. And I start saying you know what, I'm really going to say fuck this. Was there something in particular that had happened that got you to that point? It was just 
the growth of the company and the role that I had, I, I, I didn't, um, it was just so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. Running invoices, um, keeping relationships, managing people, um, dealing with personalities, writing job descriptions, figuring out what a board was, dividing a finance committee with a, with a, uh, you know, a, a, a development committee and working with the bookkeeper to try and, um, you know, categorize different things in a nonprofit is different. Looking at balance sheets is just like, dude, I've never done any of this shit and I'm fucking tired. <coughs> um, while teaching classes and keeping culture and all that other shit. And then dealing with mind body and trying to figure out how to deal with, uh, memberships and you know, marketing and all of, all of it. it was just like, dude, I fucking can't do this. Um, but I didn't want to give up and I mean, on the business or myself. So, you know, I checked into treatment and I didn't drink or use and I didn't do anything stupid. And, uh, I got out and you know, I still struggle. I still struggle a lot. Um, with I think mental health is, is something that also really needs to be talked about. You know, the anxiety, the depression, the obsessive thinking, um, the pain, the, but then also the joy, you know, and the gratitude. And if I look at, at my roadmap and where I've been and um, hopefully where I'm going, um, I can take a little bit of peace with that when I say I did my best and and I helped some people out along the way and uh, and it's really it's a really good place like that makes me feel better than I'm a piece of shit I'm not good enough I'm that person in 6th grade or that person when I was 10 or 11 um, that, that wasn't good enough and could never find his place and couldn't learn properly um, so when, when you shift the thinking and you know like the meditation all the shit that people have been telling me for years, I need to continue to work on it. Um, but, you know, today I sit across from you with seven years of sobriety um, as being um, someone who takes pride in their work, who who still really cares about people's feelings um, and doesn't think that he has anything figured out. I don't, I don't think anything. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm special. I don't think I'm... Um, this person who, who like did all these things I, I literally I still feel like the person that's in Oxbow Jail that, that just got um, 30 days of sobriety right because um, there's no difference like there's no difference in, in us we just have different levels of um, understanding and we're at different places in our lives and I'm a believer and like that's why I say like stay consistent with this podcast and put everything into it because there's nothing different between me and you I'm not fucking Albert Einstein that like is this progressive Elon Musk flamethrower like <laughs> creative fucking brilliant person I just stayed consistent with something that I believed in you know and and uh I just try to do a little bit better every day and some days I do and some days I don't but that's it how do you get through your anxiety a lot of heroin and therapy 
Uh, no, exercise. So, and this this is another. I probably exercise too much. Um, and I beat myself up about it, and I like. I I I run and I'll lift weights and I'll think about it a lot. Um, and at the same time, it's like, well, is it getting in, in the way of like other parts of your life? And the answer is no. So like, this is one of the things that my head just. I like to beat myself up about anything that I possibly can, right? So, um, like, if I eat a donut, I'm getting fat, right? Like, if I'm running too much, I'm abusing exercise. If I'm mean to somebody, no one likes me. Like, just stupid shit like that. Um, but what really helps, connection. Um, even if I don't want to. AA meetings. I go to 12-step um, recovery. Eating good food. Uh playing with my dogs leaving time to watch shitty television I'm, I'm on this MTV kick <laughs> um, running yeah swinging a kettlebell um, listening to good music um, getting in nature and then helping somebody um, but you know I mean I'm just wired I'm just fucking I'm I'm hypersensitive and I'm I'm in my head a lot it does get exhausting. It really does. But that's where meditation, yoga, mindfulness, all of the all the shit in between, I think, really comes into play. Um, but again, that's that's a practice, just like everything else. Oh, absolutely, absolutely doesn't. It's not like any of this happened overnight. Right. Um, what piece of advice has impacted you most in life? piece of advice from a human being or from anybody or a robot or a robot your dog dog. honestly I mean Charlie's taught me probably more than anybody else so (laughs) a combination of of my family's core beliefs um, mixed in with my life experiences like like I said in special ed like when I get to see people as people as opposed to um, classes or valedictorians or superstars or really smart people like when I saw people at their core um, and then I heard my parents you know treat other people as you want to be treated um, always stay ethical and and do the next right thing like the combination of those two things really like helped propel me that everything's going to be okay as long as I do those things I like that Um, this kind of ties into that if you could instill one trait in the world, what would it be? Consistency. That's it. Yeah. Fucking people are inconsistent. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And it doesn't do anyone any good. I mean, we know what to do. We know what to do. Fucking eat good food, exercise, connect with people, don't lie, and do the next right thing, and your life will be fucking great. But we get away from that every single day, mm-hmm. all the time. It's weirdly easier to overcomplicate things than just to do those basic yes. things. Yep. But consistently do those things. Mm-hmm. Just like my meditation. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm. It's my fault too. Like, I know from the research and from what people have told me that if I meditated every day for a month, 
I would be in a better headspace. But I don't do it. Because I don't want to. And I'll do it for like two days, then I'll forget, or you know, so I'll stay inconsistent with it. So there has to be like, there has to be some draw in what I'm staying consistent to. I'm staying consistent to FCR because it's my purpose. Right. Um, I stay consistent with exercise because I'm vain. <laughs> um, I stay connected to people because I want friends, mm-hmm. right? So there's some, with meditation, I'm like, well, my mental health can fucking wait. And I don't know why I think that. Or maybe I don't fully believe that like it'll help me. Um, but yeah, stay consistent. I get that though. The uh, the orange journal over there, that yeah. is my gratitude journal. Good. So every night I write like good things that happen during the day, things I'm grateful for. Sometimes if it's been a real shit day, there's just one thing in there. Yeah. And I haven't done that for like a week and a half now. Right. And it helps. It really helps on those real shit days. It just... I don't know, especially right before I go to bed, it refocuses me to be like, oh, hey, guess what? Like, there were good things that happened today. It wasn't all that one terrible thing that happened. Right. But, so yeah. the, that's that's one thing that I've, I'm fascinated by is why don't we do it? Like, why? Because I see these people, they, they get out of jail, right? This happened to me last week. <clears throat> the gentleman gets out of he gets out of jail and he comes to the gym and I'm like dude I'm super fucking proud of you you came to the gym that is a win um and then he comes again and then he comes again and then he comes again and then he doesn't come 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 and then he's shooting heroin and and I think I think that like Sometimes life just gets too fucking hard. That you 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 are in survival mode and you're like, I have to feel better. I can't get uncomfortable one more day because this is too uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm gonna binge eat. I'm going to watch Netflix for ten hours. I'm gonna avoid everyone I know. I'm going to stare at my phone for six hours. I'm going to travel. I'm going you know, I'm gonna spend a lot of money. I'm gonna go do dope. I'm gonna go drink. I'm gonna go fuck someone's girl. You know, like all these things. Um, because I think it just gets too painful. It it's gets too painful. Too pain. You don't want to have to think anymore. You just want to be you like just fucking done. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Just like I. Like gratitude's great, fucking great. But like, my girlfriend cheated on me. I can't pay the bills. And I have nothing to do. Fuck you, gratitude journal. I'm going to get fucked up. Absolutely. Fuck this. You know? Mm-hmm. And that shit happens all the time. That shit happens all... I mean... Yeah, it happens all the time. I just think you get better at dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, if you, you keep doing it consistently enough for right. long enough, it just becomes a habit and it's not a question of, like, oh, am I going to write in this or am I going to say fuck it? You just do it because it's what you do. You brush your teeth. You write in your gratitude journal. Right. Yeah, exactly. So how do we make people brush their teeth every night, I guess, is the question. Well, I But you brush your teeth because you care about your teeth. And, and your smile is one thing that everyone sees. True. 
I also feel incredibly gross if I don't brush my teeth. Okay. And so it just, like, I can't sleep because it just, it's all gross okay. and all of that. I don't feel so gross if I don't write in my gratitude journal. <laughs> there isn't an immediate thing to it. But I wrote a blog post about it. Oh, oh. I didn't write a blog post about it. It was just a super long Instagram post. Um, I almost had a pan. No, I did have a panic attack. I think it was just over a year ago. And I just remember thinking about it and being like, what happened? Like nothing insane happened that day. I mean, there were normal stressors in life, but it was nothing out of like super out of the ordinary. And I looked at everything and I thought, I've been eating like shit. I haven't worked out in a month and I haven't been sleeping well. So, you know. Exactly. And so since then, like, I've made sleep I'm still struggling with, but, like, working out and eating healthy, like, I'm pretty consistent with it because I don't have a panic attack. Because, yeah, you don't want to go back to that pain. <laughs> that pain was great enough for you to make a change. Yeah. The same thing with drugs and alcohol. When the pain is great enough, you will make a change. Same thing with a relationship. You will get out of a relationship where the pain becomes too much. Mm-hmm. We make decisions based out of pain. We're real screwed up as human beings. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and a quick fix is getting validated on social media. I mean, it's just, it's it's distractions, and, and we are set up to not feel good enough. Yeah. Check out this person on Instagram. Look at how much money they're making. Look how good they look. It's yeah. like, how's their mental health? How many, how many people really give a fuck about this person? Do they have meaningful relationships? Like, my, my dad once told me, he said, you can have a lot of friends or you can have a lot of money, but you can't have both. I think the point is <clears throat> when your focus is making money you lose relationships your priority becomes selfish and it becomes all about me 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 and in business you'll do some crazy shit yeah. people do weird shit um, and then you you neglect the things that really matter and that's your relationship mm-hmm. so you, you hear about all these multi-millionaires committing suicide because they're so fucking miserable So, I don't know. Consistency, yeah. The world needs to be consistent. Yes. I could not agree more with that. Um, let's see here. Would you talk about winning the SCORE National Community Impact Award? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the National Impact Award was given by SCORE. Uh, part of the story I left out was... A gentleman, really important to me and really important to the, su- the success of FTR, um, was SCORE. So SCORE, what they do is they mentor people that are starting businesses, free of charge. Um, and this gentleman brings me into his office and he's like, I heard about what you're doing. And everyone thought I was crazy. I mean, everyone was like, cool idea, but like, how are you really going to do this? And he sat down with me and he said, I have 111 days. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I've been sober for 111 days. He's like, I'd like to help you. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was neat. Um, and he's still on the board, and he's a mentor of mine, and a super good man, super good man. Um, so we write this blurb for SCORE, um, and we get selected. We get selected, and... Uh, we do all this stuff, and they fly us to D.C., and we pick up a National Community Impact Award. Um, 
No big deal. <laughs> but see, there's the irony in it all. Like, it, it was cool, but like... I don't know if I needed more or I, I needed the it, it was an honor and it was it was it was awesome um, but I still there was still part of me that was like what's next what do we have to do now um, so yeah we go to DC we get recognized by like you know Mass Mutual and, and these big organizations and these companies and uh, show our video and leave with a plaque and uh, <coughs> I don't know. I mean, it was cool. It was cool. It was. It was nothing that. Uh, I don't know because I don't want to discredit it because it was amazing. I'm I'm just looking for the what, what's next, you know. So we got yeah we got that and uh, gave us some exposure and um, it was just cool to be recognized. Um, in Washington D.C. by the higher ups. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you remember the moment you found out that you were being awarded this? Uh no, no. I, I think you. I, I mean, honestly, I need this thing. I'll be satisfied when we're in nationwide. Um. When you're nationwide, I'm going to like yeah, text you about you this read, podcast. Be like, hey, you remember? remember when you said this? <laughs> and then ultimately, yeah, maybe I won't feel good enough then. Like, and that's why I think all of this stuff comes down to the internal work. Um, you can get all the accolades, you can get all the people saying so many good things about you, but if you're not um, comfortable inside of self, that stuff doesn't matter. Doesn't that suck? It's. I mean, it's great, but at the same time, it's. Well, bitch. It's all internal work, man. Yeah. All this shit. And that goes back to your meditation. That goes back to your eating healthy. That goes back to the, the, the relationships you have, the connections. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter how many awards you've won. It doesn't matter... Um, it doesn't matter about all that. It's nice, and it's needed um, for exposure and different things of that nature, but... The biggest joy I get is when someone comes out of jail and says, dude, your program has saved my life. That's when I fucking remember. Can you talk about a moment like that? I mean, I know I asked you about that in regards to when things first started out in Sugar House Park. But is there, like, can you talk about another another moment? It happens all the time. Is there um, one that really stands out? There are a lot of them because they all they all remind me of why we do what we do, right? That's 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 the paycheck. The paycheck's not the. Um, I mean, the, the money is obviously needed to live, but the real reason that I think me and all the staff down there are in it is because of things like that. Um, God, and I wish he was still there, but he's not. There was this gentleman that came out of the CATS program. And he said that uh, I gave you my word I was going to be here. And he was there up to a certain point. But he said, uh, 
you've done so much for me that I'm going to repay you by showing up. And I said, dude, that's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. Um, I look on, I look on Facebook and I look on, um, you know, our recommendations and stuff like that. And I see all the nice things that people say. And, um, that brings a lot of joy to my heart. I'm trying to think of a specific, the lady that works next to me, um, always tells me that I saved her life and <clears throat> that always makes me makes me remember um, how cool it is what we do um, that now she works um, upstairs with me and, and fit to recover not me fit to recover save your life um, we were me and Rachel Santizo hi Rachel yeah she, we were in jail um a week ago we were doing mountain climbers we were sweating and it was the end of our session and I look over at her <clears throat> and she's one person to stay consistent with me uh, for six years and uh, she celebrated seven years last week and it was that day and I was like there was just this nostalgic moment it's like Rach we've been best friends for these past six years you're about to pick up seven years. We are in a jail teaching these people fitness, listening to hip-hop music. You should be proud of yourself. And, like, that connection was just, like, we were exhausted. It was a full day of work, and uh, it was just a, it was a really cool moment. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the amount of love and the amount of, um, like... Thank you for what you do is is tremendous um, from our clients and from our members. But ultimately, we don't do anything. We just, we show up consistently the same way. So we don't freak out. We don't like act one way one day and then act another way another day. Like we show up the same way um, with love and tolerance. And then we just provide a safe place for them to connect. So they do the work. They show up. They keep showing up. And then they get the gifts of the environment. So And it's an amazing environment. Thanks. Dude. I mean it, it really is. I remember I came out to Salt Lake to visit Parker a couple years ago and I remember doing like in going to one of the outreaches that you guys did for the homeless. And mm-hmm. I remember like taking a couple classes at FTR too and just being blown away. I mean the people in that culture, in the community that you've built are absolutely incredible. That's, and that's why it works, because of those people. Um, and that's why culture is so important to set. Because if we started off, we're going to take our shirts off, and we're going we're gonna to go against the clock, and we're going to lift as much weight as we can. Um, I don't want to be a part of that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just don't want to compete anymore, and I want to. I want to leave time for the new person who is scared. Yeah. You know that's what makes it so special. Absolutely. Because um, I tried the whole um, professional shit. I was gonna play soccer. I was never good enough. Um, I wasn't fast enough. But like, I aspired to be right and. <clears throat> at the end of it it's just like no like I'm gonna play soccer because I love to play soccer I'm gonna go to the gym because 
it feels good on my body. Um, I don't want to go to the gym and and look to my right and be like, I'm gonna beat your ass and I'm gonna I'm gonna lift more than you. And if I don't get a time better than you, then I'm gonna beat myself up. I'm gonna go to the gym to be like, yo, let's lift weights and how the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I'm glad you're here. You know. Absolutely. So it's the people. It's the people. So what's next? What's next for FTR? What's next for you? Like, what do you have on the docket? What do I have on the docket? I have so many... I don't know. Honestly, I'm getting fucking tired. I'm getting tired. Um, I believe you. You've been at it for a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. Like... Utah County, or Ogden. Just a fitness program just to see if it could stick um, and then start building that scalable model mm-hmm. so then you say this is what you take um, we've done a really good job of programming our fitness in a specific way that um, is different and can be said like you know if we had five locations we could just send out a workout every day um, and then they could all teach it the same way keeping culture but I think the next step, I mean, I don't know, I, I worry about money all the time, so sometimes my mind's like, why are we even bothering with the next step? Um, because a nonprofit, like, the way the finances roll, it's, it's different. Like, you don't know when you're going to get money, you don't know. Um, I mean, we spend 40 grand a, year, a month, you know, so that's a lot different than the 1200 I was spending in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, and our memberships are $40 a pop. So I don't think we have a 1,000 members, right? So um, membership's not the way that we make money. So it, it's everyone working together and, and uh, relying on grants and, you know, foundations. Um, and I hope that you can come to our five-year party. It's April 5th. I'll check my calendar if we can be there. Parker and I will both be there. Awesome. And I I will absolutely be at one of those nutrition cooking classes because that does sound incredible. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what's next? Like, I would love, like, I would love to have a podcast. I would love to have a podcast. I would love to record. I would love to have, like, a, uh, a record label, like a Fit to Recover record label with a choir and, like, the whole fucking deal. Um, I would love to expand our nutrition into like <clears throat> building, you know, like harvesting our food and, and all cooking it together and having like, you know, huge potlucks and meals and um, fitness all over the country and, and you know, community service and, and, you know, a weekly thing where we go and we... But, you know, it's it's hard because you're limited with energy and bandwidth and, and different things of that nature. So, um, right now it's just to, I want to develop more skills in the development side and keep learning um, and, and building relationships. Um, and then, yeah, I think the next step is getting a location in one of those two and just jumping, mm-hmm. you know. 
anything, and I know this is super cliche, but anything really is possible. I feel like you've proven the quote-unquote impossible in so many ways already and proved yourself to you and so many people who said, this is impossible, you can't do this. Like, I feel like the world is truly your oyster at this point. The world is my oyster. Yeah. And, and also, the only thing that's going to get in my way, what do you think it is? You. That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and, and, you know, I just hope that I don't burn. I really hope I don't just fucking say fuck it. Because it, it becomes a lot, and it becomes exhausting, and it becomes everything in between those lines um, where you just want to give up and you want to just be like I want to relax I don't want to think and you know um, that would be the reason or I get fired I don't know I think about that too you get fired by the company you start, or by the nonprofit you started? It's happened. It's happened. It, that's just my insecurities, and like that's how crazy. That's that's another thing that my mind does just to, to like beat myself up, right? And that's what I want to escape. I, I want to escape just the negative self talk and like <clears throat> the conflicts and, and the constant like, Ian, you're not good enough. I just don't want to feel that, you know? Me either. Right. And all I see me either. It's overthinking things, right. worrying about things that don't need to be worried about. All the it's time. it's exhausting. And you know, I So what do you do? Um What unhealthy behaviors do you have? What unhealthy behaviors do, no, I'm I'm perfect. Did you not I'm sorry, did I not make that clear in the beginning? I knew that. <laughs> no. Um, What's something you don't want people to know? Actually is my question. Oh man. I just bled my whole life story on the microphone. Jesus. No, I'm interviewing you. This is not supposed to go the other way around. No, I I mean, as as I shared when we, you know, took a little break a few minutes or a little while ago, like I struggle with a lot of the same things you struggle with, which is a big part of why I started this podcast. Be like, hey, just because like we've handle these struggles in different ways doesn't mean we're any different doesn't mean Joe Schmo down the street hasn't struggled with the exact same things even though he lives in a five million dollar house you know um but no I mean I struggle with negative self-talk with overthinking things it took me so long to put this podcast out because I was so worried what if people don't like it like what if I sound like an idiot you know I'm asking these people who I admire the shit out of to let me interview them like what if they say no and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you. And, you know, I, I'm not going to advertise that, like, I let you interview me because this was really embarrassing. You know, like, what if, who Your knows? Rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, oh, gosh, yeah, I struggle with a lot of things. And just, I guess the biggest thing that helps me is I, I learn a lot from all the interviews I do. That's why I ask people like you, who I admire, to be on my podcast because I learn a lot from you. And then I try to take what I learned from you and incorporate it into my own life. So um, I interviewed, um, who was it? It was Jeff Kirkham that I interviewed, who's um, 
who started Ready Man, he's a Green Beret, like he's one of the co-founders of Black Rifle, things like that. Yeah. And he was talking about like one of the lowest points in his life and how he got through it. And it was taking things one step at a time, like just focusing on each next step. So when life starts to feel overwhelming, because it does on the daily between, you know, I have a full-time job, I train service dogs, I have a boyfriend, I have a podcast, and there aren't enough hours in the day, and I, like, I don't even have kids, and I feel like I don't have enough energy for all this shit. So I try to focus on each next thing and try my absolute best to stay present in each moment and to try to enjoy all the little things. Because if if I don't, like, I'm sure, like, I would, I'd lose it. Absolutely. Because there's so much... I don't want to sound like, you know, a downer or anything, but I just feel like there's so much negative negativity in the world, and there's so many reasons to not be happy and to not, like, enjoy life and see the beauty in the world. And it's hard, but it's not that hard to find the little things that right. are good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, so how can people... How can people find out about FTR? How do people become donors? How can they contribute? Um, if you go to our website, fittorecover.org, um, there's a donut or a donut. And there's a donate page. Donuts actually sound there's great right now, but yes. <laughs> there's a donate page on the landing on the landing site. Um, you can also write me an email at acker a c k e r zero zero one two at gmail.com. Um or you can come check out a class. We'd love to see you. I mean, that's that's where I think the coolest thing comes. I mean, you can see your money at work, right? It's You come to the gym, you see people smiling, you see people high-fiving, you see kettlebells being swung, you see people cooking, you see people being of service, you see people creating music. Um, that's what I want to show you, right? So come down, experience it, um, and... Yeah, just reach out. And I'll link I'll I'll link all of everything you just said on the description I write about you on on my website when I put cool. this podcast up. So cool. So yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for uh thank you for leading and thank you for um thank you for believing and thank you for allowing people to share their stories. I think it's really important.